Hi, welcome to Listening to Leaders. This is Nathan Harrington, and thank you so much for being here. Okay, so for my third episode, I am thrilled to share the conversation that I had with my friend and colleague, John Marshall. John and I first met several years ago at Big Power Yoga. He is a leadership coach, an entrepreneur, a yoga teacher, and a meditation instructor. He's the owner of Humescence, which is a company that provides coaching, training, and education to purpose-driven individuals and organizations who want to become more self-aware and improve performance and well-being. Who doesn't want that? He co-hosts an amazing podcast called The Present Professional. John used to work for ExxonMobil and has experience with a handful of other Fortune 100 companies. This unique combination of skills and experience has turned him into a phenomenal coach. I just love John. He's a great guy, and his vision for people and the workplace is a contribution to the world that is very much needed in this day and age. Please enjoy my conversation with John Marshall. For the listener, I am drinking from a glass of water. It's alkaline. Yeah. Alkaline water. It's from the water tree. Houston Heights water tree. The Houston Heights water tree. Water tree, yes. Watertree.com, I guess. Or... Uh, it might be Heights water tree. I'm not exactly. We'll there's, find there's out. There's a franchise. The yeah, there's a franchise. So they're uh-huh. all over the area. And they they purify the water through reverse osmosis and then remineralize it. Like, okay. to, to assimilate... To simulate the process of what water naturally did when we drank it, like as we evolved, okay, you know, it ran through mountains and rivers and streams and picked right. up minerals that are valuable to our bodies along the way. Yep. We've since then stripped all of those out and put them in plastic bottles. So we're just, I mean, while we're drinking water, like a necessary catalyst to the reactions in our bodies, we're not replenishing our minerals through our water sources anymore. And you have to watch. I feel like, like I'm getting more calcium right now. And, exactly. <laughs> and magnesium. magnesium. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I didn't give my full review. I wouldn't notice a difference if you just handed me this as a glass of water, right? Yep. But, like, since I'm really kind of, like, present, <laughs> I the taste isn't different. But the or I'm not noticing a taste. I'm noticing, like, a different mouthfeel sensation, if that mm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I'm not ready to commit fully, <laughs> but I, I will uh, finish this glass of water and I'm open. I actually am pretty curious about like vitamins and minerals. It's something mm-hmm. I've been thinking about a lot. I, I kind of had somebody yeah. diagnose a magnesium deficiency a couple of months ago. I might have mm-hmm. told you about this. Did I tell you about this? No, you didn't no. tell me about this. She um, It's a friend of mine who's a a doctor and a nutritionist Mm -hmm. and I was kind of just, I was having these headaches actually. And then a kind of a constellation of other things. And Mm -hmm. she, um, she was like, you know, you might have a magnesium deficiency. You can take a supplement. She said it also exists in foods. And she's always like food. She's one of those people who is like food can cure everything (laughs) within reason. And she was like, if you eat uh, three tablespoons of hemp seeds a day, that'll give you 50% of your daily um, necessities, and I've started putting hemp seeds in um, smoothies and salads, mm-hmm. and uh, I haven't had a headache since November second. No way. Yeah, 
that crazy? And it went away. So the thing that's interesting about magnesium, she said, this is now going to be a commercial for magnesium. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, oh, and actually this friend is going to be on the podcast in a couple of months. Tiffany Champagne Langabier. Oh, you know beautiful. Her? No, I Yeah. Don't. She's amazing. No, um, I do know her. She practices. She, she practices at yeah. Big? No, yeah, I yeah, definitely yeah. know her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she's practiced for a long time. She was a 40 Days team leader and... Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said that um, vitamins, a lot of vitamins and minerals require like two weeks or so sometimes Mm -hmm. to like for an effect to take place for you to like feel different. But magnesium is like 24 to 48 hours you'll experience something different. And that was exactly what I experienced. So, Wow. If I can get magnesium through more magnesium just through drinking special water, that's interesting to me. And you have to watch because there's – alkaline water everywhere right like you know you can buy alkaline water Mm -hmm. but you can alkaline you can make water alkaline by just changing the charge using like other cheaper substances as opposed to actually putting the minerals that are good for your body Mm -hmm. in it okay so So not all alkaline waters are created equal exactly yeah exactly so you just have to like actually see the mineral profile of the water okay to see like if it's really alkaline yeah you know good for you alkaline which they ostensibly have on the they should they should have it on the label right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cool exactly Uh, well this is great i've almost finished my glass of water and um (laughs) i feel ready to have a a great conversation now if you get Um, anything from this episode (laughs) change your water change your life yeah totally uh, well, I'm so excited to have you here. I'm thrilled and um, and really honored to just get to have this conversation with you. And I'm thrilled for listeners in particular because you, for me, have a really unique contribution and really a stand as a leader that you are taking in the world. It's a contribution that I'm really committed to elevating. And I'm just deeply, deeply inspired by by the work that you're doing. So... That means um, a lot to me. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. So, so thanks for being here. Happy and we're to just, here. we're just going to kind of roll. I kind of told you what the format will be. <laughs> will you just start by kind of saying anything you want to say about your, your professional history, your personal history that would kind of let people get to know you? Sure. Sure. So post-graduation from Penn State started with ExxonMobil. That was the majority of my corporate career. Mm-hmm. And that was mostly in sales and business development. And through that, also learning about some things that I wouldn't want in my culture as well. So it was moving up. That's a very diplomatic way of saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Which is important, though, to know what you don't want as well, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's just, I mean, it's just as important that helps us discover what we do want. Yeah. And, you know, that was through many different other areas of leadership that I experienced, including your leadership at the studio Mm. back when I was exposed to yoga and that part changed my life. Mm. And so moving up through the organization at ExxonMobil, you know, it was various different experiences. And I would say that a lot of the leadership that experience that I had there was more around influencing other parts of the organization that I didn't necessarily have direct authority over. Mm. I'd say that was a big that was a big part of the learning journey for me. Mm. And then moving into humescence, so how I discovered that was like I mentioned through 
some of the things that I wanted to change about the culture that I was in, and then also some of the things that I was discovering about myself and my own leadership through self-discovery, through yoga training, through teaching yoga, through being on the board of a startup nonprofit organization back then in 2016. So then Humescence actually started in, so I formed it in 2018, mm-hmm. didn't go full time with it until 2021. Okay. So for those of you that don't know what Humescence is, so I like to say it's an inter and intra personal development company. Mm. So that it's a coaching firm. So coaching is you know a huge part of that because it involves a lot of behavior change. Right. And then we also provide educational training and development experiences as well. But the one on one coaching piece is really close to my heart. Hmm. And that was the way when I discovered some of the things that I did not want in the culture and in my own leadership style and some of the things that I did want. Mm -hmm. Like the way to mechanize that behavior change was critical. Mm -hmm. And coaching was a huge part of that for me in helping me discover what my unique leadership style would be. And then also being able to then do the coach training, start working with one-on-one clients myself. And I've experienced so much growth in my own leadership Mm. by developing coaching skills Mm. and by coaching really high-powered clients Mm. Mm. and like really inspiring clients. Mm. What have you gotten Mm -hmm. out of that? I'd say that I'd le- I've learned the most about what I want in leadership mm. from a lot of the clients that yeah. I've had. Mm. And the number one thing that I learned from that is that leadership is about getting things out of your people's way. Like, I I'm love here. That. I love that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'm here, like, in my capacity as a leader to remove obstacles from you and help you stay on the path that is supportive of the collective and your own development. Mm. It's not, I mean, there is a way of being that supports that, but through, so I'd say that was through working with clients and then also my own failures Mm. as a leader, my own, my own looking back in hindsight of how I could have handled things differently Mm. and more aligned with myself. So I think that, to all the leaders or aspiring leaders out there listening to this is embrace that failure. Embrace the times when you could have supported someone better mm. because mm-hmm. then you take that with you. And I never would have had that insight without not having served my people in the way that I'd want to. Mm. So, mm. yeah, I think, I, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, 100% <laughs> did. So at ExxonMobil, you said that a big part of what you experienced was learning to influence other departments over which you didn't have any direct authority. Mm -hmm. Um, What was that like? Mm -hmm. It was about telling telling the right story and not that you had to fabricate something, but... Mm -hmm people need to understand why something is important for the organization mm-hmm. if it's above and beyond their base job or like slightly stretching their base job. Okay. Because in the parts of the organization that I was in was more in strategic global accounts and then national accounts. So it was my my customers held a lot of weight for the business. Okay. But then a lot of the a lot of the departments that I had to work with to satisfy my customers 
were already in charge of keeping the base business running uh-huh. smoothly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So a lot of times it was my customers that required other parts of the organization to go above and beyond outside of just my sales team or sales sales supportive organization. Mm. Right. We had to pull in folks from operations, technical, marketing, like all parts of the organization, sometimes even complete other complete other companies within the organization, I would say, Mm, mm, mm. sometimes. Because a lot of my customers span different verticals within it, like chemicals, fuels, lubricants. So it was a lot of influence without authority, I would say. And so just to circle back to how Uh was to... You started to say like through telling stories, right? Yeah. That's like one thing. Yeah, through helping, through helping people understand what's important about this, mm. right? Yeah. It was like, I couldn't just say, we have, we, you have to get this done. Right, right, right. I need you to jump on board. They're like, <laughs> not Who <really."> are you? <laughs> right? And it's like, and then maybe their management understands that they need to get this done and how critical it is for the business. But like, I, that's that's not my leadership approach. You yeah. know, I want for the individual contributor that is, directly contributing their time, effort, and energy to understand why it's important. Mm, mm-hmm. And not just for the organization and for the customer, but like what might they learn from it? This this kind of stretch outside of what they do in their base role, what could that do for them? Mm. And I found that that was a lot more impactful when it came to the influence without authority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like the other way you can maybe get people's compliance Mm -hmm. (laughs) right at best right but then there's i don't love the language like when you get people's buy-in right but when when people see something when they understand when they feel connected to to whatever it is that you're asking them to do Mm -hmm. they're yeah there's there is another possibility for impacting people's behavior Mm -hmm. oh that word compliance it kind of, yeah, like it kind of makes Just, your body like right. slump over a little bit, right? It lacks, <laughs> right, it lacks inspiration. A hundred percent, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then if we're just going through our day complying, <clears throat> like that's when burnout occurs. Like yeah. That's when people check out. Yeah. That's when, you know, you start looking, start wondering, what am I, what am I doing here? Uh-huh. Right. And yeah. while obviously compliance in certain parts of the organization, certain parts of your job, may be absolutely critical. Yeah. Right. But it's like, overall, are you working towards something that is maybe greater than yourself, like a bigger vision? Yes. Or are you at least working towards something that stretches you where the challenge can meet the skill level appropriately? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because like if you're an engineer or there's policies that you just have to follow, you may or may not feel like inspired to like to Mm -hmm. follow those. Right. Like. Mm -hmm. That's so we're not saying like compliance is like wrong or mm-hmm. whatever, but there's the domain of compliance like like a child has to comply, like you have to do that, <laughs> right? It's like that yeah. kind of compliance that there's like we said, there's something beyond that. Mm-hmm. And it's I guess I always forget to mention like the other things that I do that I think also contribute to my to my leadership presence and mm-hmm. career, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the owner of Humescence and the intra and interpersonal development company. Yeah. 
And then I'm still teach yoga once a week. Uh-huh. I, I love that. At Big Power Yoga in Houston, Texas. What time? Yep. What day and time? Houston, Texas, five thirty p.m. every Thursday. Every Thursday. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do people so tonight? <laughs> oh, great. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> if somebody were to come to your class, like, what would they get? <sighs> they would get, I'd say, the perfect, and eh, not perfect. That's not the right word. A balance of intensity and. Hmm, what's that word? Like, I want to say something that's like smooth. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. In my experience, like, I love practicing in yeah. a little bit more of a like, vinyasa state. So yeah. I would say that. So I'd say that while they'll find challenge, yeah. like they'll also find rhythm. Mm. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it's interesting you say that because that's I was thinking about what. Like as I was kind of preparing for this, I was thinking about what I like about being with you, you know, just in general. <laughs> and um, you do actually. I kind of spent the whole morning with you listening to Present Professional to oh, your, awesome. your podcast, right? <laughs> so I kind of feel like I've spent my whole morning with you. And there is a way that you are that is almost like the Buddha, right? It's like <laughs> it's like very grounded and very like free and smooth. <laughs> smooth is like it's not a word that you like you it's like necessarily use in the world of yoga and all the hippy dippy mm-hmm. stuff that you and I are into, but it does capture it for sure, for mm-hmm. sure. So And then also another hat there is co host of the present professional podcast. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's all of the, the hats people should for now. know about you. Are you <laughs> yeah. still doing stuff with Insight? Uh yes, I am a publisher on Insight Timer as okay, well. Cool. So I host live guided meditations and some yoga here and there. Okay. I also have a list of tracks there available for everyone for free. Cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay, so to go back to what did you experience at Exxon as missing in terms of like what you don't want? I don't know if I would say missing. And there are there were fantastic parts mm-hmm. of my career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I met fantastic and inspiring leaders as well. Mm-hmm. And I would say a lot of the inspiring leadership that I experienced there, it was all the people first. We were all, yeah, we would all get in the trenches and go after business. And, yeah. But it was like us against, us against the problem, mm-hmm. right? We weren't we weren't creating problems amongst ourselves and mm. kind of going back and forth internally. It was like, you know, sure, if we have to burn the midnight oil, but because we're delivering a presentation we're proud of to a customer the next day, mm. like that was inspiring, yeah. right? That's not burnout to me. Then a lot of the things that were there that I would say don't need to be there is a lot of the internal back and forth Mm -hmm. that there was a lot of there was a lot of burnout created by pieces of the organization that were not on the same page okay and that had competing priorities okay so i think that that was part of the systemic thing that i would say was there that you know doesn't need to be there but Mm -hmm. it can be there for a lot of big businesses and just like the way that things end up So I think it's imperative for like as you grow to try to keep as much of a small business 
vision and feel as mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. and keep as many things connected as you can mm-hmm. it's which all comes down to communication flow mm-hmm. right and when when i started a lot of things were very about the direction was a lot about like functional expertise okay as opposed to like understanding things across the organization mm-hmm. and i think that siloed a lot of communication as well so when these misalignments occur over mass groups of people, I think it starts with there not being an organic communication flow between those parts of the organization, mm-hmm. right? So I would say that that from what was included that made things difficult, I would say the bit of a siloed nature and it and it was uh, very much a like forced meritocracy with the ranking system. And a lot of other companies use a forced ranking system mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. right? And you, you have to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, a performance evaluation system is absolutely critical. You have to have a way for your people to understand where they stand, mm-hmm. right? And you have to be careful based on what that creates mm-hmm. within the culture. Right, right. Right. Mm. So, you know, are you rewarding people for sharing information? Mm. You know, are you rewarding people for putting someone else first, mm. for giving their team credit? You know, are you rewarding these things? Or are you promoting someone that is able to distill their exact piece of the accomplishment and the dollars attributed to their actions. And, mm. you know, it was very much laser focused on what did you contribute and why mm. did it matter? Mm. Yeah. Right? yeah. 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 So it's like you have, mm-hmm. you're espousing the value of teamwork, right? But incentives are organized around individual performance. Right. And then you have to think, I mean, if that's what you want, if you're running a sales organization or something and and you have people out there basically running their own businesses and portfolios and, you know, maybe that works well for your business, Mm -hmm. like having a little bit more of an individual focus. Mm -hmm. But it's like those are the things when you're putting together your performance evaluation system and process is like just think about what you're creating and is that in line with what best serves your customers and the vision for yeah. what you want to create for yeah. your company. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anything else about that? We were at the stoppage of communication flow. Mm-hmm. And so that came to like hoarding information mm-hmm. as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the more that you kept to yourself and the more that you could take credit for, the better off that you would end mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And that was just something that was created as a byproduct of the process. Yeah. Right. And then specific to the leadership, I'd say that there was there was breakdowns in in that communication flow as well as breakdowns in what's what's important. Mm. Like there were competing priorities and it was difficult to say this is why we're here. Mm. Like it was difficult to have a uniting vision. Yeah. While I think some teams and this could go for any organization as well, especially sure. large organizations, like there will be, you know, Goldilocks parts of the organization with great leaders that are able to create a vision for their team. Right. But then that leader is constantly buffering their team from 
what's happening and the lack of vision and direction in the greater in the organization. The organization. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, leadership is, is complex and simple. Yeah. It's, that's why I like to boil it down to what is in the way of my people. Right. And how can I, how can I help them succeed? And like, that's kind of my job as a leader, but then, how you make that happen and what is systemically in place to support mm-hmm. and hinder that mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. get really complex. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cause it sounds like there wasn't anything that was intentionally malicious or no. like there was no like adversarial. I mean, there maybe is have some stuff that kind of, ended up that way but there was nobody like in the at the top going like how can we pit people against each other and kind of get people to (laughs) kind of feel stressed out and burned out at work right (laughs) like a lot of it was kind of just by default of the of the way that things were organized Mm -hmm. and and like as you were saying that i was like oh well of course your sort of your mission or your sort of leadership philosophy is to get things out of the way for people right making Mm -hmm. people's performances easy and smooth as uh, as possible right Um, how do i make it easier for my people to do their jobs yeah and not only to do their jobs but how do i make it easier for them to grow yeah to promote themselves to learn to help grow the business yeah like to feel they're a part of something yeah cool so, okay, so I have a question. This is something I've always kind of wondered about you is, yeah. so you're at ExxonMobil, you have this experience with the nonprofit, mm-hmm. you you know stumble upon yoga, mm-hmm. and you get sort of this vision for a world that could work in a different way, <laughs> right? <laughs> and some people might like sort of have that series of experiences and go like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Like, like I'm going to go get a job in Bali and <laughs> teach yoga retreats. And I'm not saying you're against doing that, right? But you, <laughs> there was a piece of you that was like, no, there's something else possible in business and in particular, like large organizations, right? Like what, mm. what had you go? I'm not going to give up on this. Mm. That's such a beautiful question. I'd say the, so I started to integrate Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that I was learning and experiencing in my own personal and leadership development, professional development into my career at ExxonMobil and then what I was building with Humescence and like that mindset Mm -hmm. and those years of overlap. And at the time, I was actually teaching yoga at the ExxonMobil campus as well. Okay. Right. right. So mm-hmm. that, interestingly, provided a container of where people could, from all different parts of the organization that I never would have met mm. had I not been teaching yoga, mm-hmm. could all come together and experience someone that also works there you know, in a different container and leading them through a different experience. Mm. And I bring that up to say that that was part of me understanding that something else was possible. Great. That people were looking for something different, Mm. like a different level of connection and 
their contribution and how and how, like how to operationalize that mm-hmm. and how to bring that into organizations, teams, individuals. That became my fascination. That became my my drive. So okay. seeing that within conversation in that yoga container within the corporate space mm-hmm. actually was kind of an incubator for some of the ideas and some of the experiences that that we deliver today at Humescence. So it's so. kind of like like oh this this can work here. <laughs> right? When you it's cuz when you like initially went to teach yoga mm-hmm. at Exxon was there before you started like what was the sort of internal experience of that like did you, were you I imagine you weren't just like oh yeah this is going to make a big difference right like yeah, I was. <laughs> I mean, just tell us, like, what was the experience of that? Yeah, I just knew. So I knew that the wellness center had a yoga studio, right? Mm-hmm. And I had just gotten, I had just gotten certified in December of 2017. Okay. So I immediately went to the wellness center and was like, "Hey, I can come <laughs> over here and teach in the evenings." And it just so happened that there was a fit, and it worked out. And I started teaching that like first or second week of January mm, cool. immediately there. So it was mostly just like, hey, I want to start teaching and this is an easy place for me to start teaching. Yeah, I, I'd say that the insights that I just was talking about happened organically, mm-hmm. that it wasn't it wasn't intentional for me to say I want to teach here to work on this psychological experiment in this incubator, right? right? Mm. It was like, I want to teach because I love teaching. Yeah, yeah. I and, have this new skill set and there happens to be a place that I can do it here. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So then that started to develop organically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started to see when you take people, even if they're on the same campus, like into a slightly different container, mm. magic can happen. Mm. So that's why I started with, you know, what are the workshop experiences that we want to deliver? And right now it's burnout to balance, Mm -hmm. delivering and digesting feedback and essential empathy training. Okay. So the way that those three come together is burnout to balance is about more understanding yourself and what drives you. So I'm less concerned about people finding strategies to alleviate burnout Mm -hmm. and I'm more focused on people understanding what actions they need to take and what values they want to represent in their lives to move toward balance. Mm -hmm. And then essential empathy helps with understanding others. Mm -hmm. So then how do you understand the experience of others to connect with people? Mm -hmm. So when we're creating effective and cognitive empathy, like we are breaking down barriers. When mm-hmm. we talk about inclusion and diversity, like those are great words, but it's how do you operationalize that? Mm-hmm. And that is through empathy. And now you bring both of those together in how do you create conversation that moves people forward? Mm-hmm. And that's through the difficult conversations and feedback. Mm-hmm. So when you have a psychologically safe container where people can speak what's on their mind, bring ideas to the table, you foster innovation, mm-hmm. and you also prevent catastrophes or going down the wrong path mm-hmm. when people feel safe enough to come to the table and say, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. You made me feel like this, mm-hmm. and let me tell you let me tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. Like to be able to say that to your boss is incredible. <laughs> that's next level. I mean, that's where like these are the organizations of tomorrow that Humescence is interested in creating. And yeah. those are just three of our workshop experiences. Yeah. But I'd say that that communication flow is really where we focus in when it comes to organizational development. Yeah. And then coaching is all about that systemic or not systemic that ingrained like integrated behavior change mm -hmm. right at a personal level and starting with the top and starting with leadership it can be a it can be an interesting place to start a coaching engagement i'm sure you're familiar with sure, for sure <clears throat> and that's why i said at the beginning that i learned so much about leadership from my clients mm. because it takes it takes a special leader to request a coach. It mm. takes a special oh, yeah. leader yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, to like, to be humble enough to say, you know, I'm willing to look at myself because mm. I'm really, I'm intelligent enough to understand my own ignorance mm. and my own blind spots. So help me figure that out. Mm. And that takes a special leader. For sure. And so the the programs that you just described and mm -hmm. and coaching itself, like in the domain of like one on one coaching engagements, mm -hmm. are are kind of examples of really simple in a way containers that you can put people in that can make yes. a, a profound difference. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Summarized uh, perfectly. So I want to answer a question that might be there in the mind of the listener who has never done a yoga class or maybe who has done a yoga class or two and they did not experience magic or maybe they did but they didn't they're kind of sitting over there going wait you took yoga to exxon and then and magic like what what happened right and you said it was organic right but like what were those organic sort of experiences that left mm -hmm. you going oh like wow we could if we created containers like this for other things it could make a really big difference like connect the dots for us there oh so good <laughs> there were folks from i mean we had vice presidents down to new hires in in the yoga class. Okay. All in cool. gym clothes. Oh, that's great. Okay. Right. First of all, that it's, kind of equalizer, like right? everybody in gym clothes is is different, right? Exactly. Okay. We're all in gym clothes. Uh -huh. We're all having our own experience. Yeah. But we're in this room together for 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And so that itself, first and foremost, created a very different container. Yeah. Right? But then it was really the conversations that happened afterwards okay. and before. That's what I was suspecting. Mm -hmm. So tell us about that. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was people the way that we are the way that we are trained and the way that we're trained on the impact of delivering a meaningful message that connects to the yoga practice. Mm. And being able to do that with those, with that room, that collective, and then have them go through the experience and talk about, you know, what you shared about your friend that had passed away and how that, how that impacted your life <laughs> professionally, personally, how it impacted your yoga practice and how you connected that, mm. like really made a difference for me. Mm. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, how, tell me a little tell bit me about how. Tell me about that. Yeah, right? yeah. What, what about that did you connect to? Right. How yeah. did that, how did that make a difference for you? And then 
people connect through common humanity then. Mm. And it's like, well, this had happened to me or so-and-so passed away two months ago and I didn't realize how much that it was sticking with me day to day. Mm. And moving through this experience like helped me help me sit with that and move through some of it. Mm. And so then the gears start turning about how do we create these containers of common humanity outside of just one conversation after a yoga practice, mm-hmm. right? And that's what the workshop experiences are, like yeah. co- connecting connecting groups and creating those connections. And then the one-on-one space in that container is just sacred, yeah. different level. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, you know, then you're continuously having those conversations of common humanity and helping people see what they can't see in themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's worth spelling out for people mm-hmm. that there is. So you said, I don't remember the language you used, but you said something like as a yoga teacher, you get trained to deliver really powerful messages kind of while you're leading people through yoga poses. Mm -hmm. And so just to introduce that conversation to people at work, right, opens up something. But then there's also something that if you've never done a yoga class, moving through the yoga poses, and it's funny how this connects to what you were saying about a leader's job is to get things out of the way for people. Like as you move through a yoga class, people will come into a yoga class and they'll be completely filled up, right? Filled up with their day, filled up with whatever emotions. Mm -hmm. And there's something about moving through the yoga poses that empties you out that allows people to hear whatever message there is in a different way and to connect with it in a different way and to see themselves in what you're saying and not have it just land like a sermon or something. So yes. So that's that's really, really cool. I love that. I, I didn't know that that was kind of the, the connecting pieces to see that, oh, okay, this works here. What else could we do? Like, right. <laughs> and then, I mean, and then there were so many different experiences that I went through as well. Workshops, leadership development trainings, coach training. I mean, that provided also like within those trainings, Mm -hmm. connection to our own common humanity and one another. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We, even in the beginning of my last coach training that I did, we all went through our individual wheels of life Mm -hmm. when we started. Mm -hmm. And all of the experiences that made us who we were mm-hmm. with our with our class. I mean, I'm talking people from age 25 through uh, the 60s, and it was everyone in that room became connected on a on a level that you can grow with, that you can challenge, mm. that is a different level of psychological safety and engagement. So I'd say even through those experiences. And then one one more thing I want to presence from the yoga practice that translates into my own journey and something I'm working on more this year is discipline. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is mm. when is being disciplined enough to show up on your mat and practice, right? Whether that's daily, every other day, whatever that looks like, or you're on your meditation seat, mm. right? Or being being disciplined within other practices, you know, I feel that creates a snowball effect of 
the experiences that we've talked about up until this point. Mm -hmm. Like if you're able to commit to returning to that. What do you say to somebody who's like, ooh, discipline, that's like, it feels like a four letter word. Like, (laughs) what do you say to somebody who who has like a visceral reaction to it in that way? Discipline gets a nasty rap. Okay. (laughs) And my relationship with discipline has been complicated (laughs) (laughs) okay got it (laughs) like when i think of when i think of discipline Mm. there's that that image of like the older school teacher with a ruler in her hand like wrapping your knuckles yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly exactly and then and then it moves on to my football coach or football coaches get up on the field this time Mm. and it's like we have this energy in especially in western culture of force ah behind discipline oh oh that's good <clears throat> and when we feel that in order to make something worthwhile or develop mastery that we must suffer uh-huh that there good. must be force behind this yeah and i think there's i think there's an easy way or i've been discovering a more easeful way mm to step into discipline. Okay. And discipline is really just a choice. Hmm. I'm going to do this activity or task that is aligned with my values and what I'm committed to and what I want to create, Hmm. or I'm not. Hmm. Or I'm going to do whatever the world or life throws at me that is maybe just shiny at the moment Mm -hmm. or just provide some type of avoidance of pain or short-term pleasure. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just discipline is really what do you choose Mm -hmm. in that moment? Mm -hmm. And it sounds simple, Uh (laughs) right? But sometimes Uh it's Uh really great to choose like easy and fun. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. How, so what's your your access, and maybe it's one of your accesses, there might be many, to the ease-filled experience of discipline? Mm. My access to it is, yeah, I wanted to say through self-awareness, but okay. it's really directly through my meditation practice. Okay. Which yeah. is building that <clears throat> self-awareness muscle. Mm-hmm. Because for me... I have to have the space to even notice there is a choice to be made. Mm-hmm. Because we I don't want to speak from we because mm-hmm. I lack because I lack discipline mm-hmm. whenever the choice doesn't exist. Whenever I'm just moving from one task to the other, answering another phone call or mm-hmm. another email and not understanding things in priority mm-hmm. because there's an infinite there's an infinite draw toward our attention right 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 how much of his or her attention can i capture right right and that's from all areas of the world media friends family coworkers employees mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stakeholders what there's so much coming at us and to even have the space to recognize, like, okay, all of this is happening. Uh-huh. And what what am I committed to? Yeah. This next 15 minutes, <laughs> this next 30 minutes, mm-hmm. am I going to choose to 
sit down and write the book or am I going to answer these emails that can wait? Are you Think- writing a book right now? <laughs> are you? Yes. You yes, are? I'm, work- I'm working on it. <laughs> okay. <Yes. laughs> the- you weren't ready to, were you ready to announce that publicly or does it just kind of like, is this- We're in the early stages of okay. writing a book. <laughs> okay. All and right. more, more to come, uh-huh. more to come on that. And that's a big part of the discipline. And I bet, yeah, yeah. So I was going to ask, yeah. like, what are what is requiring discipline on your part right now? I, so and that's one, one of them, I imagine. Yes, uh-huh. one writing the book and two managing working on my business and working in my business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a it's an interesting place to be in leadership. And I would say that to any entrepreneurs that are listening, they're likely in that state. Right. Any small business, you're likely still working in your business Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So I try to look at my tasks and look at the things that I want to accomplish in, am I working on my business? Mm -hmm. Like humans as a living entity with or without me. Mm -hmm. And am I working in my business, Mm -hmm. serving as a speaker, as a facilitator, as a one-on-one leadership coach? And that's still very important to me, even as my development as a leader and towards the development of humescence as an entity. But then at the same time, it takes the presence of mind for me to be disciplined enough, one, to understand which category my tasks fall in, Mm -hmm. and then two, what's going to move the needle. Mm. And (laughs) I think when it comes to discipline, a lot of the things that really move the needle mm-hmm. over the long term mm-hmm. feel like they're not doing anything in the short term. Uh-huh. Yep. Got it. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> right? 100%. <laughs> it's like the thing that we can complete today, mm-hmm. the task that we can check off right now feels so good for our psychology. Yeah. Even our physiology, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but there's the like, things... Ah, there's like a relief of, <laughs> ah, man... Yeah, I responded to that email that's been sitting in my inbox for 24 hours. Right. (laughs) But then this groundbreaking framework or experience that you want to build and create that requires hours of nuanced work Mm. just kind of like hangs out in the corner while you're checking a lot of things off the list that make you feel good. Yeah. So I try to make specific parts of time for taking chunks out of the projects Mm -hmm. that may not necessarily feel great right now. Mm -hmm. And some of the strategies that I use for that is sometimes, this is funny. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes I'm food motivated. So (laughs) so, (laughs) that's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to be like a timer or. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes like, for example, for the writing, I'll I will say that I will not eat breakfast uh, until I write for at least 30 minutes. Okay. <laughs> right? Great. Yeah. And it's the funny thing is, is that sounds like a, a force kind mm-hmm, of thing, mm-hmm. but it's really just something to get me to sit in the chair. Yeah. And then once I'm sitting in the chair and I start flowing, I'm not even thinking about eating. Like sometimes yeah. I'll sit there for an hour and a half yeah. and write Yeah. once I'm there, but it's something to just get me in the chair. 
right? For something that's like a longer term project like that. First of all, I was going to fall out of my chair if you said something like, I get to eat a Twinkie after I. <laughs> 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 the opposite. Yeah, exactly. You're like, no, I get to eat something healthy. And then <laughs> my mind is kind of blown by when you said that we associate discipline and force, like that those two things are kind of collapsed for us. And and how meditation and, and any sort of mindfulness practice can allow you to see that those are actually two distinct phenomenon, right? And that it doesn't have to be forceful unless you make it forceful. Yes. Right? That's like a part of the choice to make in the moment. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So now it's, what are the things that I can do to make this choice easier for myself? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Employ one of your people. Mm. Hey, can you check in with me once a week about mm -hmm. this project that mm -hmm. I'm working on? Mm -hmm. Employ your your spouse. Mm -hmm. Hey, when you see me, you know, not getting up to write in the morning, like just remind me. You just know, give in me a, a loving, in nudge. a cute way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. There's, and then also like the accessibility in your environment. I do this for positive things and negative things. Mm. Right. Like. I love chips, right? All kinds of chips. I love chocolate. <laughs> but it's like, I don't keep chips in my house. I choose I choose long-term health and like over the short-term satisfaction, I get over like all kinds of chips, right? So that's that part of the environment. Yeah. But then there's how do you make the things that that hard thing that you want to reach for, the thing that's not providing the instant gratification, how do you make that easier for you to reach for? Yeah. Like... For example, having my writing space set up and clear, mm. completely clear, a space to put my my mug for my tea, everything already open, completely full screen with the documents so there's nothing to even distract me on the start menu. Right, right, right. You know, like just setting up your environment, not with force, but just little easy things you can do that's like, I'm going to make this like one ounce easier for me to just get in the seat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what positive things can you bring into your environment and reinforcements mm. that help you accomplish the thing that requires discipline? Mm. Right. They well, can make I, things more easeful. I what you're describing there, like just if you take setting up your writing space, that starts to be be fun for me like right <laughs> yeah, like that starts to be something it's like oh how can i make this you know be a space that i want to be in right like do you know I'll, I'll buy a candle from crate and barrel or whatever <laughs> yeah, right like exactly. oh i need a new chair here i mean not to like say you have to go and buy a bunch of things to set up your environment to be nice but it's like that is a part of what you're pointing to right is yeah yeah I think it's James Clear. I think in Atomic Habits, he yeah. talks about that the most disciplined people set up their environments so that they don't have to be disciplined later. Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what you're saying, right? It's like exactly. make some choices ahead of time. So choices that you're actually committed to making, it is easier to make them because you already made them, right? And you've set up the environment to make them. Yes. It's good, right? Oh, such a good way to summarize that. Yeah, yeah. And Were you? Do you think of yourself as being a pretty disciplined person? I'd say that I've become much more disciplined. Okay. Than growing up, uh, than I was growing up. Were you even in my twenties? Uh -huh. As a student, I was 
so you know how they do like the like senior superlatives and stuff like right, the, what right, you, right. I got biggest procrastinator. Oh, great. I love that. I love that. Because I'll just say you sort of what I know about you now today, you occur like a very disciplined person, right? Like to have created what you've created with resonance to to have a meditation practice, right? That in and of itself is something that is like. In my mind, only the most disciplined people do that. <laughs> so it's like it's also like useful to know that it kind of wasn't all that always that way, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> was yeah. it high school you were or college? Yeah, that was that was high school. I was voted that, but <laughs> but but I mean that continued. Uh-huh. That definitely continued <laughs> through college uh-huh. and waiting to the last minute to finish it. It's I mean I always I experienced success that way. Yeah. It was it was fine. I still got good grades waiting as opposed to being disciplined with studying throughout the whole practice. Yeah. And I had teachers all the time that said, you know, this will catch up to you. Uh-huh. This will catch up to you, John. Uh-huh. Trust me, it's going to catch up to you. But through college, no, not so much. Didn't catch up with me mm. in my, you know, working for someone else in my, you know, in my corporate career and everything. Eh, maybe it caught up to me a little bit here and there where, you know, it would have been much better to space out that project for sure. Mm. It would have been a better deliverable. But I'll tell you what, becoming an entrepreneur, that's when mm. it hit me. Mm. Like that's when the procrastinator must be managed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was very easy to adjust my timeline to meet someone else's deadline. Mm-hmm. Now I'm creating my own deadlines and meeting my own deadlines. Mm -hmm. So now the bookends can just keep running away from each other. Right. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So it's like that thing that you procrastinate on now doesn't have something to shock you into getting it done, Mm. that deadline. Mm. And I'm blanking on his name right now, Mm. but we'll need to put it in the show notes Uh because this blog is incredible. He, He describes the procrastinator's mind in a beautiful way. Mm. He said, there's the rational decision maker that's at the wheel of your mind, right? Just kind of steering the way, guiding your way through life, making decisions based on your values, your commitments, what you want to do. And then there's the instant gratification monkey that comes in and throws that wheel (laughs) left and right, (laughs) right? Whenever you want to write the book, Mm. whenever you want to, Go work out, but it's been a long day. Like it'll throw that to the left and right. You know, you'll sit down to write and then go through a deep dive on Wikipedia or or YouTube for an hour. Mm. Like that's the monkey throwing the wheel the other way. And for those projects that have deadlines, there's a third character in your life, which is the panic monster. Okay. <laughs> so the panic monster comes Which a in. procrastinator is like really good friends with the panic monster, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? Because the panic monster comes in, scares the instant gratification monkey out of the way, uh-huh. and then you get it done. Like yeah. you really, you'll knock out a 10-page paper in two days and people were like, how did you do that? You didn't uh-huh. even start that. Uh-huh. And it's like, well, the panic monster showed up and like I had to not sleep. Right. 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 And so, but then when those projects don't have deadlines, the panic monster is just chilling. Yeah. The panic monster doesn't care. Yeah. When there's no deadlines. Mm. So then that's when the procrastinator's mind becomes dangerous. So I feel like my discipline journey has 
gotten so much deeper after I after I left corporate America. Once I started doing my own thing, mm-hmm. oh man, it became critical. It became critical to <clears throat> making money, to bringing home your living, yeah, to growing the company, to supporting your people. You know, from a leadership perspective, it's like I have to keep my things in line in order to move obstacles out of their way. Mm-hmm. And so I've gotten, I've developed a much more intimate relationship with <laughs> discipline yeah. over the past couple of years. And I'd say like those couple of things that we talked about making things easier, mm-hmm. making the choice easier for myself. And then really connecting to like over and over again, connecting to why it's important to me. Mm. Because if it's not purpose-driven, then the thing that is disciplined is when there's not a deadline, I'm just going to be straight up. It just doesn't happen right. for me. <laughs> right. You know, right now, the things that – and even the things that I don't enjoy, but they're necessary to further the vision and what I want to create mm. and what's important to me, I can do those things. If I was writing this book – just to just to write a book it wouldn't it's not going to get done right it has to be something that i think this is really i think this message is really important for people like i think that someone could read this and then move through the rest of their life differently Mm -hmm. right that helps me sit down Mm. to write that's great right so whatever that might be for you, listener, something that you're working on, even if it's something mundane that you're within right now, within your career, connect to like why that's important to you. Mm. Like mm-hmm. why is it important to perform in your current role? Mm. Why is it important to stand up for yourself? Mm. Mm. Why is it important to take risks? And like really sit with that. Write it out. Put it on your board. Put it on your phone. Mm constant reminders of that yeah as you say that and i kind of reflect back on what you've been saying one of the things i'm getting is that that is maybe the most important thing that there is to be disciplined about right Mm -hmm. is developing the capacity to remind yourself of your why right to actually cause that to be present in the moment when it's time for you to turn off the next episode of for me it's SVU (laughs) right and go do the thing that there is for you to do right like actually causing the presence of that in some way whether it's through saying it to yourself or seeing it written down somewhere Um, yes and we've just come full circle uh back to that choice yeah the discipline it doesn't have to be forceful but as long as you have the space in your mind, mm. like from your mindfulness practice or really developing that, like you mentioned, reminding yourself of why it's important to you, that once you have that space, mm-hmm. like then you can make the choice. Yes. But without that, life is happening to you. Yeah. Hundo. <laughs> Starts there. Yeah. That's great. 
That's great, John. Okay, cool. Let's see. I want to ask you some rapid fire questions here. Um, Okay. okay. If you had a message, so I'm going to give you a billboard on the I-10 corridor on like West Houston, right? What's what's the message that's going to go on it? Hmm. The message that's going to go on the billboard is. It's a lot of pressure for it to be the right message, right? <laughs> you know what? That's actually that's actually a really good uh, re re-presencing for me. You know, it's not maybe it's maybe it's not that important to get the right message. It would be be where you are. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I love that. The present professional, be where you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's there's so much gold in the present moment that mm. are that we've been we've been programmed to overlook mm. and not but not saying the program through society and everything like that but you know it we develop this capacity to forecast the future mm. right mm-hmm. to make predictions yeah that has done so much for us mm-hmm. as a species yeah right yeah but then it has also created a ton of anxiety yeah <clears throat> So it's like being able to balance your gifts with also being able to experience what's happening here. Yeah. So good. What advice would you give 18-year-old John? Advice I would give 18-year-old John. Listen. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) That's exactly yeah. what I would say to 18-year-old Nathan. <laughs> right? Like that's like we so much of my growth and experience has come from just listening. Mm. Mm-hmm. From listening to others experiences, listening to my own emotions, my own inner voice to what's happening around me. I mean, that's part of it's part of the being here now, I guess. But I would, yeah, I would tell him like, just, shh. you know, <laughs> speak, great. speak less. Yeah. Listen more. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. great. That's great. Cool, man. Okay. So where, if people want to work with you, where, how do they get a hold of you? So everything about me is at all of my personal social medias as well so all of the handles at coach john, at coach john marshall okay and then humescence at humes it's just humescence.com great so h-u-m essence okay dot com you can find all of the things for individuals for organizations as well as our humble leaders program on the website there and you can schedule a consultation to learn more about that and just experience coaching as well. So you can go on, schedule a consultation there, learn more. And I'd love to interact with folks at any of my social medias as well. And then also at the present professional, they can listen in as well for some other conversations like this one, yep, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's on Spotify, Apple yeah, podcasts, all platforms. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. Anything else? Anything else you want to either let listeners know about or anything you want to get the word out about? I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity to have this conversation. I love meeting up with you anytime, any chance that we get. Yeah, I'd say that you are your leadership has also been an inspiring part of my life as well. I'll never Mm -hmm. forget one thing Uh that you said during training. I'll never, 
ever forget it. Yeah, yeah. I'm fluent in the language of possibility. I'll never forget it. I remember that. I totally remember that that session. Haley was out that night. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that was beautiful. So, yes, I want to thank you there and then Mm. just leave the listeners with that leadership is your own personal journey. Mm. You know, just like Mm. I said that I would tell my 18-year-old self to listen more, Mm. like, just sitting here and listening to this conversation and choosing what you fill your listening time with Mm. will make a big difference for your personal and professional leadership. Mm. Brilliant. Brilliant. Awesome. It's a great stamp to put on the conversation. Um, I love you. Thank you. Love you too. Yeah. (laughs) All right, y'all. Nathan here one more time. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode was valuable for you and really worth your time. If you'd like to get more inspiring content to empower you as a leader like this, please sign up for my bi-monthly newsletter by clicking the link in the show notes. You can also find me on LinkedIn by typing Nathan Harrington Coaching in the search bar. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please go and review it on whatever platform you listen to your podcast. Additionally, if you wouldn't mind, share this episode with one or two people in your life that you think it might make a difference for. Believe it or not, this type of thing really does make a difference for entrepreneurs like myself. Thanks again for being here, and I'll see you again next time for Listening to Leaders. Listening to Leaders.